1984 by George Orwell was actually supposed to be a cautionary tale, not a blueprint, <laughs> which is what the Democrats uh, are using it as. What's up? This is the Patriot Podcast. My name is Mark Kay, and we're gonna get to we're gonna get to the scary mis and disinformation governance board here in just a minute. We talked ad nauseum about it on the air, um, and I say ad nauseum because well, talking about the Democrats and their and their uh, government overreach just makes me nauseous. But, you know, it's something we have to, someone's got to do it. We got to work through the pain, folks. It's the only way we're going to win. Um, before we get into that, though, a couple things. First of all, a reminder once again that that May 1st is Sunday. May 2nd is when we open up the Keystone XL pipeline for business. And that means 100 bucks in gas every single day to somebody who registered at KeystoneXL.com. If you did not register at KeystoneXL.com, you will not be one of the people that's winning $100 worth of free gas. And you don't have to do anything. You just have to, I mean, it's really easy. You go, you register, you listen to this podcast every day, which you do anyway, because you're here. And then uh, if you win, we mail you a, a free gas card. So easy peasy lemon squeezy as the saying, as the saying goes. Uh, also, I'm, I'm wearing a big loose, I'll be honest with you. I One of the things I think is the problem with these politicians is that they wear suits all the time because Suits are the least comfortable thing ever. I even woke up this morning and I put on like one of my regular polo shirts. For those of you that watch the show, you know, I have like blue, gray and black polo shirts. And every day I'm either wearing a blue, gray or black polo shirt. But today I put on like one of my, I had a lot of pizza last night. Not a lot of pizza, but you know, more than, than I probably should have. And I felt a little bloated today. So I put on my regular polo shirt and it was, it was like tight. <laughs> And I thought to myself, oh, I could not go through the whole day with this tight shirt hugging my belly. That's like the worst feeling. I don't know. Like I'm okay with I'm okay with all sorts of different sensations. Wait, that sounds really that sounded weird. <laughs> I should I should probably I should probably edit this part out. I don't know what's going on today, but I felt I'm okay with like a lot of sensations, but I can't if something's tight on my belly. I hate that. So I took off my polo shirt, my regular one, and I went to the golf shirt section of my closet. And I have a lot of golf shirts because it's Florida and my kid plays golf. So I'm on the golf course a lot. And I got the biggest <laughs> like golf shirt. It's this obnoxious Royal blue. It's so blue and it's so big. And I put it on and I, I don't feel it at all. Like it's flowy and, and I don't feel it all in my belly. So I'm thinking, so literally what I did is after I put on that shirt, I was like, okay, this is good. And then I went online and I ordered because, <laughs> because, <laughs> sorry, I don't know. I think I may be drunk. Um, here's because basically, here's what happens. Most people would go to their closet, put on a shirt that they wear every day. Like I've, I've wear these polo shirts every day. If I have a normal person would go to their closet, put on a shirt that they've been wearing every day for years, feel that it's tight, and go, oh, I should maybe stop eating food, or I should maybe go work out at the gym, or you know, maybe I. Uh, Maybe not drink so much. Maybe I'm I'm gaining some weight. I should probably I should probably change my lifestyle. I'm not one of those people. I'm like, oh, I got fatter. I need to buy bigger clothes. <laughs> so anyway, so I went to the Amazon. I ordered like ordered like three more uh, in some not so obnoxious colors. So they're they're on the way. Anyway, you know you don't care about my wardrobe. It's a podcast. You don't even see me. I could be I could be wearing a tuxedo or a towel or what. You don't even know. Um, because you're not watching me. And if you are watching me, that's creepy because as far as I know, I'm alone in my studio. Anywho, so the uh, Democrats, man, these people, I have to tell you, they weaponize. It's amazing to me again. The Democrats look at the Constitution and, you know, I have a copy here, by the way, the original vaccine passport, which 
I started as a a cute and kind of fun uh, gimmicky, you know, uh, gift or whatever. But it's really handy. I, I with the Democrats in office. I mean, I just reference this thing all the time. The de- the Constitution is very important to know. All the amendments are important to know. I keep checking the twenty fifth amendment to see if we're at that section yet. But um, but anyway, I look at the the Constitution. It's what it was supposed to be. It was supposed to be the the framework for our our republic. This is how government is set up. These are the different branches and the different offices, and these are the rules and regulations. And any rules and regulations that aren't in here. Uh, the states can figure out on their own. That's how the Constitution is a pretty genius document. It's not that long. You know, people people that buy the original vaccine passport, and by the way, you can get one at originalvaccinepassport.com. People that buy these, they, they write me all the time and go, you know, I because of you or because I bought this, I started actually reading the Constitution, and I was shocked at how short it is. Yeah, it's not a long document at all. It's not supposed to be. It's supposed to be a framework. It's supposed to give you, like, the essentials And then it's like, look, anything else you guys got to figure out on your own at the state level. And it was genius because, you know, I think one of the most, I think one of the best things that happened to this country is that this country, and this is going to sound weird, and I've never heard anyone say this before, but but bear with me. I think one of the best things that happened to this country early on was that the states were founded vertically up and down the East Coast. Okay. Because here's what, like, think about this. Let's say let's say you land at Plymouth Rock, right? Or you land in Plymouth, Massachusetts. Uh, people started to settle Massachusetts, and then instead of continuing west, and like you know, like the thirteen original colonies just could have been west of Massachusetts. It could have been like Massachusetts, and then well, I guess Canada's west. You see what I'm saying? Or or let's take Virginia. Let's say they settled in the Virginia North Carolina area, and that was the first colony, Roanoke. Um, and instead of going up and down the coast. They just started going west. The first, the 13 original colonies would have been like Virginia, Tennessee, Missouri, all that. And they're all very similar. They're all very similar in the the uh, landscape and the terrain and the agriculture. And there's not a lot of differentiation between the two of them or between all those states. And it wouldn't have made for a, a need. It, it wouldn't have made for different needs, for example. Um, but when you look at, you know, the southern states, like the fact that we went north and south, means that you have a vast difference. South Carolina, North Carolina, Virginia, Georgia, those states are agrarian states, agricultural states. They are they have totally different needs. You know, that was the big debate over slavery. That was the the big debate over taxes and things. In the north, you didn't have all that. You had the ports, you had the banks, you had Boston, you had New York. You had these massive city centers where people were, you know, in selling insurance and stuff. So the needs of the of the northern states are very different than the needs of the southern states. And as a result, pardon me, I got to blow my nose. And because they were so different, uh, what ended up happening was the framers of the Constitution, the authors of the Constitution said, look, we've got to, the states have to figure stuff out on their own because they're all so different. You know, like running an election in Georgia is a lot different than running an election in, in Boston or in Massachusetts. You've got way more people they're in a much smaller area in Massachusetts. They can all stand, you know, you got hundreds of thousands of people, whatever, just standing in the street. In Georgia, people have to get in with their wagons or on horses. They have to drive or, or you know, uh, or ride very, you know, like miles and miles to, a, to a, a city center or a church or someplace like that. So it's a very different lifestyle. And they, and they knew that. And they said, look, this is the framework for the federal government, but we are going to let the states, in fact, the 10th Amendment, the powers, not delegated to the United States by the Constitution, nor prohibited by it to the states 
are reserved to the states respectively or to the people. And that's something that is genius. And that's something that Republicans really admire and appreciate and take to heart. I mean, look at look at how strong your Republican governors are. It's because they know they have power over their own states because the needs of the people in a specific state are different than the needs of the people on a federal level. The Democrats hate that. They want everything federalized. They want the elections federalized. They want um, you know education federalized. They want the government to have ultimate power over everything. And now with this Department of of uh, Mis and Disinformation or this Mr. Dis Mis and Disinformation Governance Board that they've set up in the Department of Homeland Security, now they want to control the information too. They want to control the flow of the information on the internet, on the media. I mean, I don't even know where. I don't even know what the. If you have a governance board, I mean, I don't even know what constitutes a violation of mis and disinformation and what powers, if any, the board has to penalize or to alter or to. I mean, it's going to be really interesting now that we know this this thing exists. Someone's got to do some some deep digging. Um, but this is this is exactly where this is exactly where we are. The Democrats look at the Constitution not as a framework, not as a blueprint, not as a guideline, not as the keystone to our republic. They look at it as a speed bump, as a roadblock, as a hurdle. Every time they look at the Constitution, they go, "Okay, how are we?" Well, they do one of two things. They go, "Okay." How are we going to get around this? How are we going to get around this thing where the Constitution says the states have rights? You know, how are we going to do that? We've got to go to the Senate. We've got to federalize elections in the Senate. We've got to figure out some way to, uh, or we've got to go sue the states. What did what did they do in Georgia? They they made federal elections tougher. All right, we're going to send the DOJ down. We're going to sue them. In fact, get a task force together, and we'll just sue any state that has a new federal election law. We'll get Merrick Garland on it. He's good at that kind of thing. That's what they're doing. Um, so that's the first thing they do. They they look at the Constitution and they say, how do we circumvent these rules and give the federal government more power? The second thing they do is they look at the Constitution and go, okay, how can we use this as a weapon? How can we how can we use this to attack our political adversaries? And that's why, man, that's why they loved impeachment so much. Impeachment is not supposed to be a, a political weapon to attack uh, your opposite or a, you know the the opposing party. The impeachment is supposed to be to save the republic from a dastardly and demonic and evil leader who is who is you know totally off course and who is committing horrible acts uh, directly against the people of the United States of America. They see it as a way to get Donald Trump out of office. Didn't work. They failed twice. But that's exactly what they did. And now, look at this, Elon Musk. I just read this article this morning. Some Senate Democrats are considering calling Elon Musk to testify. On the Twitter buy, man, I don't know. I don't know. Testify on what point? Uh, the Senate Commerce Committee, which Cantwell chairs, this is Maria Cantwell. She's from Washington. She's a Democrat. Has held hearings with former Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey, Mark Zuckerberg, and Sundar Pichai from Alphabet, which is Google, and Ed Markey, who is a Democrat from Massachusetts, called Twitter. Get this, central to our democracy and economy. Are you kidding me? Twitter is central to our democracy and economy? In what world, in what world is Twitter central to our democracy and our economy? If Twitter went under tomorrow, the economy would be fine. I mean, the economy wouldn't be fine. The economy's horrible, but that's Joe Biden's fault, not Twitter's fault. If Elon Musk bought Twitter and shut it down, our our economy would go on. Our democracy would continue. He wrote, uh, we have to understand the censorship or lack thereof. Content moderation or not. That is going to be the policy for the new, oh, 
Uh, we have to understand the censorship or lack thereof, content moderation or not. That is going to be the policy for the new owner. So they want to get this. Elon Musk, a private citizen, bought Twitter, took it private, said he's going to fix it, open it up, said he's going to make the, uh, so the um, algorithm open source, said he's going to not ban people from the platform. And now the Democrats want to call him into a hearing so they can understand what his uh, policy is going to be on censorship. I think his policy is going to be, we're not going to censor people at all or as little as possible. But this is all, once again, the Democrats trying to weaponize their power. They were given power by, uh, they were given power by the constitution. They were given power by the voters. And now they're like, okay, we've got to figure out we're madder than hell that Twitter is no longer going to, Twitter's no longer going to ban Republicans just because they're they're Republicans. We're madder than hell to think that Donald Trump and Mike Lindell could be allowed back on this platform. We took over Twitter. We owned Twitter. And now now Elon Musk wants to make it a forum for free speech? Uh-uh, not on my watch. And so, um, once again, they're using their power to, to punish their political enemies and tie them up and, I mean, instill fear in them. I don't even know what they do with these Senate subcommittee hearings. But it's all, it's all just ridiculous. And they're going to continue to do it. And this board, this governance board of mis- and disinformation, I mean, number one, when this, uh, when this election is over in November, if the Republicans have control of the Senate and the House of Representatives, number one on the list, man, you got you to gotta shut that stuff down uh, or else. Anyway, there you go. That's it. So if you haven't yet... Go to KStoneXL.com and enter to win a $100 gas gift card. We kick it off Monday and then listen to this podcast every single day in the month of May so you can win free gas too.